Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm now joined by Alex Stewart. Morning. Hello. Hello. Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Joe Devine. Great. Everybody's here, all accounted for. So much to get through today. Uh, no time to dawdle. Uh, Real Madrid-Barcelona, El Clasico occurred. We'll be talking about that. Also another couple of derbies. The Derby of Rome, the Eternal City. Yes, the game did end. Uh, but we'll be talking about that one. And then the biggest one of all, Tottenham-West Ham. The It's Happened Again derby. Monaco played PSG. That's a derby insofar as they're both in France. And, uh, Good enough. Uh, thank you. Good enough. And uh, Aston Villa played Arsenal. That, that happened. We'll talk a little bit about that. Derby. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about derby later. And, of course, the Champions League draw as well. Um, uh, included in, the, in today's episode will be a number of other fun and exciting things. PSG, which I added, asked you to add to the podcast plan, and you didn't. And it now is I'm just on there. Well, you just incorrectly scrolled. Don't see it. Oh, but I already said it. I said it. I but said it aloud. You've also you, I said you've it aloud. Kind of, you've you I put said an accusation out there in public, yeah. and you should really retract it. I was angry. I was angry about it. Don't <laughs> retract it. No, I won't. Uh, anyway, if you don't like it when people retract things, then you should get The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, where the quality of the information is so good that very, very infrequently is anything retracted. And when it is, it's usually a typo or an addition rather than a retraction. They just don't do retractions, guys. That's because they're good. Theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Today I will leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace of all of the derbies. Yes, the derbies, El Clasico, the Clasico, the classic game. Between Real Madrid and Barcelona, of course, the score was uh, who? Who was at home? Real, Real Madrid. Real Madrid nil yeah. for Barcelona. Goodness gracious me! Uh, now uh, it was an interesting affair. Um, Seb, the result of the game is not going to change the outcome of the La Liga season, or at least that seems very unlikely. But uh, it's maybe a bit of an indicator of, of of things to come of a changing tide. Yeah, it felt like one of those games in which you think. I'm going to be reading about this in a, you know, a 5,000 word essay in a few mm. years time, because mm. this is kind of the the start of an epoch um, because it was so dominant. It was also, it feels like whenever that kind of result happens in that particular game, something happens as a result of it, yeah. or it marks the passing of something. Well, what in the, what happened in the game? Because uh, it seemed like Real were, of course, without Benzema mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and their setup was a bit peculiar. It took me a long time to work out what was happening. The main thing that I noticed was that at times, Tony Kroos and Luka Modric were the furthest forward pressing when Real were defending, which is not something I'm used to seeing. The Kroos-Modric dynamic was really, really strange because it seemed to create a negative in two different areas of the pitch. First of all, like 
there wasn't much pressure on Barcelona in their own defensive third when they're walking working the ball forward. Yeah. When the ball got into midfield, uh, it seemed like Real missed the structure that Modric and Kroos provided. In addition to which, Fede Valverde was... Uh, I'm not kind of sure. I, I've never seen Valverde using quite that way. Like there's a couple of times in the first half when he was sort of asked to to carry the ball forward in a, more of a kind of... Actually, maybe in a, in a Modric style way. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of a jumble, a little bit of a mess. And so I wonder whether what we saw on Sunday night was, as we've just said, like the start of something or whether it was just one of those weird anomalous results that comes from a kind of a massive tactical um, mistake. But it just yeah. didn't seem to... I was watching La Liga TV before the game started and a lot of their kind of analytical focus was on Barcelona's ball speed and how many passes they're playing per minute and um, like the directions of those passes. And it seemed to me as if everything that Real did to counter that kind of weakened them. So mm. maybe they should get a... A Liga TV subscription. <laughs> What's interesting to me, Alex, is, uh, and I know this is wrong before I say it, I do know that Real Madrid do use tactics. Mm. But, you know, the funny thing uh, under the Zidane reign, of course, was that it seemed that they won those three Champions Leagues in a row with a, a sort of player-first mentality rather than a system-first mentality. This is the first game I've watched Real Madrid in in ages, admittedly as a sort of casual viewer, uh, where I've seen them do tactics, obviously, <laughs> and it just seemed to go horribly wrong. Yeah, well, I think I think part of the problem with that is that the the midfield has this imbalance in terms of the dynamism that it can bring to pressing situations. So Casemiro is a good presser, but also is asked to be the anchor player. Kroos has occasionally had to drift back and help, but he's not quite as energetic. Valverde is actually the one who kind of gets around. But as Seb was saying, he was tasked with carrying the ball up the field and joining in attacks. But then, of course, that means that he's further up the pitch. And because Barcelona had this ball speed verticality, he was bypassed quite easily and was therefore not able to get back. Um, I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that Benzema wasn't available and therefore the whole pressing structure changed. Can, is it okay to have a team where one player and a fantastic player, but also an aging striker is suddenly unavailable and then the entire team doesn't work? Is that okay? Yeah, no, it's not, no, is it? No, no, it's really quite bad. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's interesting because the way, the way that pressing starts from the front with good teams who seek to dominate, and obviously if you're playing against Barcelona, that, you know, you want to close down the centre-backs, you want to close down Busquets because that's part of the way that they progress the ball. And obviously Benzema would have been really effective in that regard. What's weird is that they didn't just go with another orthodox striker and ask mm. them to do the same thing. Mm. Uh, and it felt like well, they had a Jovic, lack of Jovic trust. on the bench, I suppose. Yeah, Mariano came on, who's right. kind of game and works hard, but doesn't really bring very much. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's... Yeah, they tried to do tactics and it didn't work and it was a bit weird. I find also Real without Benzema are emotionally a different team. Mm. It's like... Well, Vinicius Jr. particularly. Yeah, but if you look at if you look at sort of the players in that side who are important, a lot of those are holdovers from European Cup winning teams. Yeah. Um, to me, Benzema has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder about not quite being front and centre, in a good way, chip on his shoulder, and about not quite being front and centre when those triumphs happened. He's not kind of, you don't, he's not indelibly linked to, um, you know, to Ledesma or anything like that. He was just a part of it. Mm -hmm. He was a participant in the kind of, in the shadow of the other, the other players. Now, when he plays, it's his team. It's 
inarguably sure. his side. And I think you saw the difference in that PSG game. One of the things beyond just his hat trick and how well taken his goals were, there is a an intensity to his football, which I I don't think I ever really associated with Karen Benzema. I didn't see him as that sort of personality. Yeah. You no, know, he's kind of he's always seemed a little bit laid back and cool and self assured. Whereas in reality, well, yeah, now he's got these kids around him as well, and, yeah, and he's very clear. I mean, you know, I think. Uh, one game is not enough evidence for this, but watching the performance of Vinicius in this game, it seems an example of um, you know a player without without a cool head. Benzema next to him, you can you can really see how he's enabled uh, in, enabled the success that Vinicius has had this season. Hundred percent, and also you know they've taken Sergio Ramos out of that side. Um, you know his time is up at Real Madrid, and he's moved on to PSG. Also, um, you don't. I suppose Kalo Navas is the goalkeeper you associate with those triumphs and he has that kind of that gravitas that comes with winning European Cups. Mm-hmm. Thibaut Courtois, a little bit of a different personality. There isn't much authority in that team. Um, Modric, you know, quiet person, uh, amazing player, Tony Cruz, ditto. But they are not, they're not extroverts mm. in the way that kind of Benzema has sort of surprisingly become. Yeah. Uh, Barcelona, are they good now, Alex? Because, I mean, I suppose one one important distinction to make is that whilst it's Xavi's team, it's different from Guardiola Barcelona, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's quicker moving forwards, I think. Um, it was really interesting to see in, in deep build-up how the fullbacks were not tearing forwards in quite the same way. That's partly because... Araju, Araujo. Araujo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, who's a centre back, right? He's, he's playing a right back. But yeah. He's so tall. Yeah, yeah, I thought looks, he's like, this is the tallest centre, uh, you know, he's so like tallest like wing back since Dan Byrne. He's, exactly the comparison I was going to draw. He's like a right sided Dan Byrne. Great yeah. goal as well. Very good goal. Mm. Yeah. Um, but because of this part of that, he, he was sort of tucking in slightly. But also, Jordi Alba wasn't tearing quite yeah. so high up the pitch and because they were playing uh, Dembele as kind of quite an orthodox winger mm. on the right hand side Ferran Torres was really keeping the width on the left as well and what that meant was that it stretched Real Madrid's back line out the the fullback staying deep provided this level of security and you basically then had a sort of five plus five because yeah. uh, Pedri who we know is a sumptuous player unbelievable um, and also Frankie de Jong on, on the right-hand side of that midfield could then push up into the wide areas, hang back slightly behind the wingers if the wingers stayed wide, make inverting runs into the box. So you had this really nice natural split which afforded uh, a lot of quick ball progression but also quite a degree of security, which I think also is compensating for the fact that PK and Busquets aren't as fast as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Well, Busquets was never really that fast. But, yeah. but it seemed like a really good tactical setup for them. Whether it's the model... Going forwards, I don't know, um, sure. but for this game, it it worked really, really well. Like yeah. you, like I haven't watched that much of Barcelona so far this season, so this was my first kind of real like, experience of the new I, Xavi. But like when I do watch them and I see how good Pedri is and how good Gavi is, yeah. and how when I mean I haven't seen that much of Ansu Fati, but having heard how good he is yeah. and seeing how like De Jong is still an amazing player, I mean. <laughs> They've got an embarrassment of like of young of young talent, haven't they? That's extraordinary. I was super impressed by Dembele last night. Actually, yeah. the move that he puts on his man for the first goal, like, good in the first half. He did, did fell away. But then I, again, I suppose he? the game state changed. Sure, um, you know the game's kind of over with him. Yeah. you know, a few minutes of the second half starting. But I, I felt like sometimes Dembele Dembele is an example to me at least of someone who's so gifted in so many different ways. Mm. That actually, sometimes it's better just to simplify the game for him. Sure, and it, all he did every game was uh, fix his man up uh, cross him over and get to the byline 
and produce that quality of pass. He'll do a terrific job for Newcastle, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's also, I, I think that's quite an interesting piece of man management because yeah. Dembele, I mean, even, even as recently as six weeks ago, Dembele's Barcelona career finished, absolutely finished, toxic relationship with the fans. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was booed onto Camp Nou when he came on as a substitute, uh, scored a goal, I forget who, who, who it was against. It was the one that he um, uh, shot that he roofed from about 10 yards away. Um, and he kind of not converted the fans within a, a space of a few minutes, but kind of won a few people over mm. uh, and then ran straight to Javi Hernandez after he scored. And it's quite an interesting thing because I think a lot of people saw him as, right, you earn too much money, you're a pain, you're always injured, you're, um, you're off the field preparation is what it should be. Whereas now it's all, now, he can do it with both looks, feet. Yeah, but he looks like a, a perfect component. Yeah. And yeah, we're all getting a bit carried away off the base of one game. But, well, let's. But let, why not? Why not? I think so it's fun to enjoy Barcelona that. don't beat Real Madrid in Madrid 4-0 every season. So I got carried away earlier when, when Real Madrid beat PSG. That was exciting. Now, was fun. now yeah, I'll be carried that. away yeah. at their expense. Yeah. You know, football. I think that the other thing with Barca is that it's, it's a club that loves its stories, right? Yeah. And so this core of younger players or having people like Dembele, who is still very young, being rehabilitated mm -hmm. under a returning hero who has them playing a certain style of football now. It seems to have enough of a kind of Guardiola facet sure. to feel familiar, but has that increased verticality, which is common amongst... Here's a question for you then. Go on. I can see where you're going, right? But my question is, do you reinsert Messi into that team in the summer? No. I also agree. And I think uh, that's a sad truth, isn't it? But it's better. It's not necessarily better in terms of results on the pitch without him there. But the future of the team, I would argue, is probably Barcelona, better. Uh, Barcelona spent so long thinking about today and yeah. not enough time thinking about tomorrow. Yeah. The worst thing point, they could do is, do, is go back. Step. And, yeah. and they've, yeah. they've been given, not given, that's a stupid way of putting it because obviously... <laughs> they've been forced to let him go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, that this they, they have been granted by some mysterious movement of the cosmos or whatever, this crop of, yeah. of young talent, people like Gavi and Pedri and Ansu Fati. It would be insane to start retrospectively sure. looking at, at you know or if we bring Messi back they this team has its figurehead in the dugout it doesn't need to have a figurehead yeah. quite so much on the pitch it was always a system team right and you have you have Busquets you have Alba you have PK they're still there Ter Stegen I think as well like sure. you know as a as a point of continuity is underrated for that team mm. he's been there an awfully long time now he has and he hasn't had the best season but his form has started to pick up a little bit as well but it's, it's interesting actually like when you when you put Messi back into that conversation like forgetting like wages and all that kind of stuff you create a lot more noise and this was a kind of, I think the charm of this performance was that it came out of nowhere. Yeah. I think I, I sat down to watch that game thinking 2-2, two, 2-1 two. Two, to somebody, yeah. close game, probably back rail even without Benzema just because there's a little bit more big game experience. Although, what, what were their 11 points ahead in the league yeah, or something? But you look at you know, look at some of those players, Ferran Torres, Aubameyang, okay, good players. Mm -hmm. Ferran Torres is an excellent player, but hasn't has had a pretty difficult start to a time at, um, sure. at Barcelona, hasn't scored enough goals, played quite well, hasn't scored enough. Aubameyang, eh, you're there by kind of like... Uh, it's a kind of sliding door situation, aren't you really? Yeah. Um, he played brilliantly. Um, well, well on his goal, like, by the way, to cut off the end of your point for fun. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting moment before Aubameyang's goal. It was, a, it was the Barcelona's fourth. You mean it's his second? Uh, oh, yeah, that's, sorry. Barcelona's yeah, fourth, his, his yeah. Goal. yeah. Um, uh, the linesman called, called it offside before he scored. Yeah. And the ref didn't blow the whistle, but the rail players saw the flag and basically slowed up. Not to say they could have stopped it anyway, but maybe they could have, and they slowed up. 
The ball goes in and then VAR gives the goal. I didn't realise. I thought the reason that the Premier League referees and assistants were told to hold the flag until after the move had finished would be uh, because if they raised the flag, that would end the move before what could happen. Whereas in this case, that's not true. So what we were told at Stockley Park was that the flag stayed out. The flag doesn't stop the game. So the flag stays down when, um, you know, when there's an obvious offside, sometimes because it creates this, it, it stops what, it starts what happened last night from happening. So it's just Sunday an aesthetic night. thing. Pretty much, yeah, because it makes people angry. And rightly so, because if you concede that goal when yeah. you can see an offside flag and you suspect some of your players have kind of stopped, well, really, it's your player's fault. But at the same time, it's not going to stop you raging, is yeah, it? Because fans sure. are like that. Um, it's perfectly legitimate as a goal, and there's no question that it shouldn't have stood. Sure. But it's just, um, yeah, it could have been handled better. And, and I don't know anything about what uh, assistant referees in Spain have been instructed to do with VAR, but in England, yeah. um, very much keep the flag down. Yeah, okay, fine. So, um, a quick stat before we move on. From the TV man of La Liga TV, he told me that, um, well, and everyone else watching, uh, would you believe that was Vinicius Jr.'s ninth Clasico? Ridiculous. That seems crazy. I know he was on the wrong side last night, but he's become a seriously, seriously, yeah. seriously good player. Yeah. Um, he just, it, it, by the way, w- w- because we don't often get to do this, really excellent refereeing uh, for the penalty decision, um, for the non-penalty decision involving Vinicius when he went down oh, yeah. in anticipation of Thibaut Courtois' challenge. Uh, sorry, in, in anticipation of Testegan's challenge, because that happens really quickly. And the referee got it spot on first time around. No need for VR. I know VR is there to, to bail him out. Is that the one it. where PK put his arm around him? Yeah. Yeah, and exactly says, that. It's a terrible bit of diving, yeah. but um, it was it's great diving. refereeing because yeah. given, from the referee's perspective, head on, you wouldn't have had that depth perception, although you wouldn't have been able to see the, the, the gap between the goalkeeper and Vinicius. So, Absolutely. Well done, referee. Well, Seb's got a little take on Pochettino and Real Madrid, which we'll come back to when we yeah. talk about PSG. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's go for a quick break now. And after that, we'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're back. Yes, very exciting. Uh, the other big derby of the weekend, Roma 3, nil Lazio, oh, in the Eternal City. It when was we lovely. talked about this on, we had a little chat about this, and I was like, uh, maybe it'd be fun, a nice little change of pace for the podcast, if I asked you about what you enjoyed about that game. So let's do yes, that. Yes, I'm sure the listeners will enjoy that. No, nice change of pace. Let's, uh, let's, let's open up the mind of Joe Devine, mm. see Can that big know? football brain. Yeah. What did you make of it? Let's reveal how small the brain is. What was your question, sorry? What did you make of the game? <laughs> I really liked the game. What did you really like about the game? Oh, well, that's oh, I'm just going to cut you off there, crying. actually. You particularly liked, because I, I know this already. No, don't get... No, because no, no, all I'm, the things I've written down I'm, are the I'm only things I have to say. Yeah, I know. If you say those things, I have nothing to say. Welcome okay, to the other on. side of the microphone. Let's see how it works. What did you make of Tammy Abraham? I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was talismanic. 
Seb. Interesting. Why? I think, uh, well, put it this way, whatever James Horncastle said on the broadcast is what I'm going to say now. Okay, because... And I'll... one of the things uh, that James Horncastle said yeah. was, we all know how huge this game is. It's a legend maker. Yeah, sure I don't is. think he said exactly that, but that's my version of what he said. He's It's a legend maker game. And whatever happens to Tammy Abraham now, uh, whether he stops scoring for the rest of this, I mean, 23 already so far this season, nine games left, plenty of time to up that tally. Um, whatever he does, if he leaves in the summer, he will forever be in the folklore of, uh, of Roma fans for that fantastic uh, brace. And he had a chance to make it three as well. I think it would have been the first uh, hat-trick in, in, uh, in, that, in that derby for, for many years, but uh, he didn't. So on your notes from this game, you've just put Horncastle as one of your points. Was that what you were going to say? Well, though? that's just because... <laughs> I, <laughs> just, I tell you what, I don't, normally watch, I don't normally watch Serie A, right? Yeah. So when I sat down to watch it, <laughs> I said, oh, it's James Horncastle on the telly. Yeah. I know him. Because he comes here to do TIFO videos. I mean, I only know him through a byproduct of being colleagues. He would never be my friend in real life, but I can try. He's kind of forced to be your friend now. So exactly. exactly. So what I did was I thought, oh, I'll text him because that's what a pushy friend does. Yeah, yeah. And so I text him to say, oh, you're on the telly. You look good on the telly, something like that. I went to an ad break and he texts me back. And I got all excited about it because I thought a man on the telly is texting me while on the telly. That's when, never happened to me before, when and you it was meet very people exciting. Outside the athletic, do you tell them that James Horncastle is your friend? Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Actually, we're related. Uh, you're quite taken with Lorenzo Pellegrini's free kick. You really like that. You texted me to talk to no me about joke. That. That's one of the best free kicks yeah. I've ever Lovely. seen. Have you seen it? Yes. It's unbelievable. You know, I, I compared it on Twitter to you've seen those TikTok videos where people put objects in like the perfect space for them. I don't know how to describe this better, but someone will find a pencil and they'll, they'll find a straw and it fits perfectly in the yes, straw. Yes, yes, it's yes, like yes, a yes. sort of visual ASMR thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what that free kick was. It literally couldn't have been any more top right corner. It was amazing. Keeper had absolutely no chance of saving it. I'm not, I mean, I genuinely can't remember the last free kick I saw that was as good as that. And he's, he's fiery, isn't he? Pellegrini. He's fantastic. Can I just say one more thing on Tammy Abraham as well, you may by do. the way? Yes, you, you may. Uh, the one thing I liked about his performance other than, uh, you know, how he was always there to, to, to bag the easy chance was his confidence with the fans as well. He repeatedly he gestured that. to the yeah. fans to make more noise and to back him. When he, he made a couple of tackles, tracking back and then sort of bellowed in the face of the, of the opposition player as a sort of successful gladiator. Uh, he, he loved it. He just seemed to be having the best time. He looked more like a rock star than a football player. He, uh, he loves football. So I remember covering him when... He loves football, Alex. Did you know? He really, really, really <laughs> loves it. I'm shocked. He likes we it. We were doing... Um, he was part of the England on 21 team in Poland in 2017. Um, we had a Skype while I was there. Do you remember that? Yes, I yes, do. Yes, about the stuff, yeah. Um, the, yeah. I don't remember. No. He remembers. I remember, yeah. Anyway, we were... Uh, I don't care a press conference you. with Nathaniel Chalabar and he was asked about him and he just said, I've never met anybody that loves the game as much as Tammy Abraham. Right. Always has so much enthusiasm. They, they've grown up as um, as youth players at Chelsea after yeah. Nathaniel came from Fulham. And um, he just said, yeah, just every day loves it, loves it, loves it. Um, and you see that. I think whenever I've watched Tammy Abraham play for Roma, they've had some bad moments, been kind of up and down year. Uh, but he just seems to enjoy the theatre of being a Roma player. It, um, and it's so entertaining to watch. Can I say as well, I don't want to be the person that does the, oh, will he come back to the Premier League because he's English? But there's a certain irony to uh, him leaving Chelsea in the summer and Romelu Lukaku arriving from Serie A. Um, I mean, 23 goals in Serie A, is no, I mean, it's no mean feat, is it? 
It's not, but I, I think there's a truth in that in that um, currently it is harder to score goals in the Premier League than it is in mm-hmm. Serie A. Yeah. Um, but then also I believe in players being in the right situation for their personality, their talent, and Tammy Abraham's found the perfect place. Uh, well, well, let me talk to you more about Roma yeah. broadly. Because this is, I think I'll find this fun. Okay. Of course, I, I didn't realise that Sarri was the Lazio manager <laughs> until I sat down to watch this game. Maurizio Sarri, that is for anyone listening who do, also didn't know that, I didn't I didn't realise. But I was, you know, it's quite fun to watch for that reason. Mourinho, of course, being the Roma manager as well. I mean, the Mourinho thing for the season so far has been, we spent £100 million in the summer and uh, they're shit, right? That, that's the thing they were supposed to be. They're or good least, and bad. No, no, but at the beginning okay. of the season, oh, very inconsistent. Narrative. Yeah. Well, the narrative around it, they are not in the top four, no. right? I think they, the Atalanta took over again, took over fifth place again. Roma briefly there, but still eight points behind Juve in fourth. They're going to finish in the Europa League places. Right. So yeah. the, and that's, that has to be considered a failure because yeah. you have Jose Mourinho, you spent £100 million and you finish outside the top four in Serie A. Not really that acceptable. However, they are currently on a 10-game unbeaten run, Right. Uh, their underlying numbers in terms of their XG4 and against are roughly similar to that of uh, the two Milan teams. And uh, they're pretty good. Like, and what's really interesting about it is that the Mourinho team, you would expect them to be better defensively than they are in terms of uh, their attack. They're scoring more goals than you might expect from of a Mourinho team, and they're conceding more. It's a sort of strange... Something's happening with Mourinho, basically. And I wonder, like, the impression I got from this game... And again, only one and only a 90-minute window. It was a derby. Emotions are all heightened, whatever. Uh, but they seemed like a unit. They seemed very cohesive. They seemed sort of together. There was a lot of unity there. And that that looked to me like a Mourinho team of old. Yeah, the only... Um, I remember watching them right at the beginning of the season. And um, through the first six or seven games when they were unbeaten, they played some wonderful attacking football. Like if you look at a couple of Tammy Abraham's, um, not just goals, but first few assists for the club... Uh, there's some lovely moments in there, some really nice joined up attacking play, which felt weird because it was the early days of Mourinho and all of a sudden, you know, oh, sure. you know, and then they fell off a little bit of a cliff and then they had the result in the Europa League, which is, you know, um, sure. not so great. In the Conference League, sorry. Um, and so, uh, shout for Mkhitaryan too, who was good. Shout in for Mkhitaryan. I, like, I, I still feel like there's, um, I still feel like it's a trap because of what sure. happened early in the season. So yeah. I, I think it'll be an interesting next season for Roma. Sure. Um, well, there we go. Gonna... Do you want to add anything about Roma Lazio, Alex? No, I just, I, I like Tammy Abraham and I think Chelsea must be looking at a transfer window where they let Mark Gray, Tamori and Abraham go, even for decent money. Yeah, uh, Tamori, man. That's quite a, a massive mistake. Yeah, that's a terrible decision. Yeah. Well, particularly when I suppose you're looking forward to potentially a time with, depending on who the new owners are, maybe there's a scenario where they need their youth players to be able to play. Uh, and of course, Tammy Abraham tomorrow, not necessarily strictly youth anymore, but uh, would, have been, would have been good in the side. Tottenham, what's the score of this three one? one. Tottenham 3 1 West Ham. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch this game because, uh, <laughs> you know, why would I? <laughs> I had this was, things this to clashed do. With, with Lazio Roma. Yeah. So you were. Yeah. This was the FA Cup, right? No, this yeah. is the Premier League. This is the Premier League. Yeah. So you, you're telling me you chose to watch Tottenham and West Ham in the Premier League over the Derby of Rome, the yes. Eternal City. Yes, I did. Yes. Okay. What can you tell us about it? Uh, very tired West Ham. Looked like a team who had. You are played. tired of, or they looked tired. They looked tired. Right. They looked very tired. Uh, they looked like a team who played 120 minutes a couple of days before. 
and they gave had me a they severe, 120 they had indeed. Skull. It wasn't right, just so an that's illusion. Why they that like they it. did look yes, because <laughs> that would be a bad that illusion. Would be, if you if you hadn't, if you just been sitting at home and you looked like you played extra time yeah. forty hours earlier. Well, then, it's like me. I look like I've done a marathon every day the and day yet, before, you, you, and you yeah. just Uber into work exactly. And, walk up the, and you don't. I walk literally upstairs. did do that you today. The, you get the lift. One hundred percent did yeah, do both of those things today. Yeah, it was an electric car as well, and it was so quiet and nice. Had a great time. Nice time? Great time. Yeah. After you. Okay. Uh, not much to say about this, uh, other than, <laughs> I don't know, I, I felt like... Well, it's a top I feel six conflicted. clash, so isn't it? There was, there was a moment which I, I didn't like from Son Heung-min, uh, because oh. do you, you remember the Rivaldo moment in the 2002 World Cup? Do I? When he got, oh, he, it was do against I? Turkey, I think, and a ball got kicked at him, hit him in the chest, and he went down holding his face. Clutching his face, yes, the famous yeah, moment. Yeah, so Son wasn't quite as egregious with his, um, let's call it simulation, but uh, don't like that at all. Don't no. do that. Don't do that again. Okay. Um, play very Fine. well, but... Um, He's been told. Did some cheating. Can I set this up in a, a sort of uh, exciting way now? You can certainly try. After the outcome of this game. Yes. Uh, the top six is the top six. The big six is the top six. It feels like it's been a long time since that was the case. Sure does. Sure does. There's been a Leicester here, a West Ham there. Well, West Ham, West Ham and Leicester have been getting in on the well, action for a long time. I wouldn't say West Ham are kind of out of it. They're, they're a little bit behind now. Well, no, um, just just at this very moment in time. They are as currently... We, as we speak. If you were to look at the Premier League table right now, yeah. you are correct. Yes. Yeah, fine. Um, well, I don't care about Spurs or West okay. Ham but but for the for this week. But what I do care about is something I missed out of the, of the list already. My bad. Um, you've spent a lot of time recently griping and moaning about something. Uh, which is people More online. I mean, well, other things as well. Yeah, for sure. But uh, you, you, what you don't like uh, is when people uh, get annoyed at, at fans celebrating fun police, fun police, right? Fun police. And I thought I'd give you a platform to talk about it um, because you know, God knows, the world really does need more embittered middle-aged <laughs> white men. So say your piece, please. Stop telling people what they're allowed to be happy about. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop Mother. it. Stop. After after your team loses, stop accusing other fan bases of celebrating like they won the Champions League. Like it's just it it's endless. It's also It's very rare that Seb does that voice, by the is way. Escapism. So let me give you an example from my personal life. Mm. A couple of weeks ago, uh Tottenham beat Manchester City. Yeah. And we have had a little bit of a trying time as a family lately. And yes, I know that game meant very little in the grand context. We did not win football as a result of it, but it was a nice moment, a nice little pick-me-up for me in my life at the time. I'm embarrassed for you. I'm embarrassed that you were happy about that. But it is that. my embarrassment to carry. Sure. It's my right to to embarrass myself. Yeah. Because that is what football is. It is escapism. It is not this kind of, what does it all mean? What does it all mean? Yeah. Work is for what does it all mean? Sure. As you're, those are the six other days of the week. Let, let us not forget football is, is entirely meaningless. It is a hobby. Yeah. And there is always going to be more football next week and next year. It's and supposed next month. to be fun. It is fun. And if people want to find it fun, it's okay. And also, you know what? Yeah. If Arsenal supporters, if you're a Villa fan, so this this is this was in reaction to uh, Gabby Gabon Lahore um, being provocative on Talksport um, after Villa lost to Arsenal. Now, if you're a Villa fan, okay, you're disappointed you lost the game and you lost the game narrowly, and you know there were a couple of good moments at the end and you might have snatched draw. Okay, but would you rather uh, get beaten by a team who celebrate beating you or just walk off the pitch as if beating you is absolutely nothing? Sure, sure. It's just come on. It's also stop. Stop telling and people you're they're upset. Did, did Gabby Agbon Lahore say, why are Arsenal fans happy about beating us? Is that what happened? No, he got angry because Arsenal's players celebrated their victory. The players? 
So here's a distinction I'd like to draw, and and I think this is an interesting room for discussion here, right? What do you think about this, Alex? I agree with Seb when it comes to fans, right? Don't tell fans what they can and can't cheer about because it's just supposed to be fun. Who are you to determine someone else's emotional emotional state? Um, players, I can remember a time when you'd have a, a, a manager like Alex Ferguson who would be irritated if players, if he perceived them to be over-celebrating something that, you know, that, that maybe wasn't what he considered to be the peak of their achievement or a win that maybe they hadn't worked hard enough to get to. There's a slightly different thing there, isn't there? Because on the one hand, it's just the meaningless of football and the, the fun frivolity of, of all of it. On the other, it is trying to mould a championship team across the course of a season, keeping them sort of psychologically in check and making sure that they don't check out having celebrated something too much. Like Those are different things, right? Yeah, totally they are. I, I'm fine <coughs> with a manager telling players, don't celebrate that. I think- I'm, not, I'm not fine with people telling other people not to celebrate. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a degree to which uh, celebration could indicate like an overconfidence or something. I don't think that applies to this Arsenal situation no. here. I think they have a young team. It was They're a, a, a hard-won game. Arteta's encouraging the celebration. Yeah. Right, and, you know, Saka got kicked around the park again. Sure. Also, yeah. Villa are good. And yeah, Villa are a good. good side. You know, um, it's, yeah. So I think, yes, I think there's a, there's a degree to which I think if you're... If you're at the stage that Man United were at that point in time and Ferguson is trying to instill a kind of ruthlessness, that's all well and good. Arsenal aren't at that point yet, but I would agree entirely. I just I just think there's way too much noise around sure. football anyway. I despair of the amount of whinging about refereeing decisions there is on Twitter. Sure. Like it's happened. Get over it. Yeah. There's no conspiracy. Referees make mistakes. Some referees are better than others. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Why do people endlessly rehash these arguments about, oh, we didn't get that decision, we should have got this. There was a handball seven weeks ago. Look, it proves that everyone hates Everton. I, like, literally couldn't care less when we, about uh, any of that. When we went down to Stockley Park, I was in a uh, our briefing session with um, our good friend Nick Miller. Mm, and The mill man. Yeah, there was a group friend of fans of from a, a club I won't identify, but um, he used the opportunity not really to learn about VAR, but to have a go at some of the PG, MOL and uh, Premier League officials who were gathered there, they just wanted to re-referee everything that had happened within oh. the last 10 years. It was... A journalist? The, no, no, because it was it was journalists and fans there. Oh, um, they brought fans in. They, they brought some fans in there. Don't and, bring um, the fans in. Don't let fans into your house. And it was actually quite uncomfortable because it was, they would say... Right, so with VAR, now, if that applied in this situation, then they would draw a tangent back to... Is that what the fans sound referee, like? Yes. Your impression of fans, that's, that's is that what my, it is? That's my ordinary person voice. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Did you, like, diminish your yeah, 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 accent yeah, to yeah, do yeah, an impression just, of football fans? I, I kind of normalised myself, you know. Well, I, on the verge of, like, editing that out of the podcast, that's no, how offensive that no, was. No, 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 that's fine. Do you want to apologise? Not really, no. I saw... Uh, so, so Southampton played Man City at the weekend in the FA Cup. Yeah. Probably the FA Cup some cup um and i'm sure we won't talk about it because it's not that relevant no it's not on the plan great yeah. uh southampton actually did quite well but, anyway, they, but they lost to sure, chelsea they lost. yeah man no, city man city 4-1 yeah. yeah 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 sounds like they did well yeah my, my point being there was a conversation earlier in the season mm. uh, about um james will prowse receiving a booking or a red card because yeah. Mike Dean was the VAR. And there was some sort of conversation around it. And Mike Dean awarded a penalty against uh, Salasu, 
for tripping uh, Jesus, right? Right, yeah. A correct penalty decision. Sure. But there are literally Southampton fans going, oh, well, it's because we had a go at Mike Dean earlier in the season, so sure. he's awarded this penalty. Like, that's, that's insane. Yeah. Thinking that. It was a clear penalty. I, yeah. I don't understand... How well, it's about it's, but it's emotional tie, isn't it? It's you know you get it. You're in those moments where the only thing stood between is yeah. What I'm saying is, uh, I get caught up in stuff. If I relied I'll upon for someone's for my emotional health in a in a moment of of, of, of agony, you yeah. know, like if I can see that, if even if I don't support the team, sometimes I get all caught up in the story. I think the key, the key thing is just sort of being aware of what's happening to you, and that's fine. But I'm I'm cool with all that stuff, mate. It's a bit boring if if you don't care about it. And also, don't go on about it forever. Come but, on, but focus like, on you, every, focus most on people the know good when things, to stop. Right? No, that no. See, that's a misunderstanding, right? I don't think football is only there to be focused on for the good things. Like, use it for whatever. I mean, like, it's infuriating sometimes. It's a stupid, stupid game where people don't do things that they should or something is unfair, so, something's unjustified. And then people get all angry about it, let their anger out. You know, it's not the worst thing. Like, it's... If, in if, terms of how people emotionally connect with it... I agree whole, with that. I know you wouldn't understand, but there's a spectrum <laughs> of different emotions that a human can experience. Sure. And they're, they're all equally valid. I, 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 I totally understand that in terms terms of like the expiation of anger or something at yeah. that point in time. <laughs> stands it in theory. Yeah. <laughs> I've read about it in a book. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, what I don't understand is this mm. hanging on to it yeah. for weeks and months and then bringing it up repetitively in this kind of petulant fashion yeah. to go, oh, well, you know, this is... A, but that's just what about me, isn't it? It's kind of every sure. time there's a but, decision. But like, if you if you feel emotions, yeah, and maybe you can talk to me afterwards about what sure. that's like, mm. um, let them out in one go. Oh, I'm so angry about that. This is how people sound, yes. Um, <laughs> and then just psh, let it, you know. I think the rule is. Right? I think is that not good? Well, the thing is, is that I... I Likewise I just, with joy. I, I really enjoyed Phil Foden's goal, and it was against my team. Yeah. But it was really good. Yeah, you're like, not a normal guy. Yeah, I don't think I've ever I don't think you that, have yeah. the, the qualifications to talk about a normal guy. Okay. Enjoy what you want. That's yeah. the standing order from this. That's the point, right? Right. Just don't celebrate corner. You know me. I mean, I love being filled with rage. What you want. You like you a... do like rage. Like every now and I again. I love rage. Sort of one of the kind of the hidden TIFO dynamics is that um there's there's a different you first thing in the morning before you've had your first I was grumpy cigarette. this morning. No, not this morning. I mean you well, were fine this morning, morning but yeah. I've spoken to you at times where um uh, company issues have got the better of you before you've had enough nicotine in your system to deal with them properly. Sure, work-related yeah. exactly stresses that. or, or, or life you stresses. You need to let it out because there's no value in right. pretending to... You but know. also, answer me this, right? Mm. Both of you, please. Mm -hmm. And um, this is something I think about regularly, right? When was the last time that you screamed as loudly as you could? That's a really good question. Yeah, I mean... Like, Do you mean... The made as much Absolutely. noise as you... No, no, just to made as much noise as you are capable of making. For me, it was when I was a child. Yeah. Long... I mean, also, I think about, you know, I live in London. Uh, everyone in London lives on top of each other. I'm a very, uh, you know, noise pollution, respectful person. I don't make noise. I have the TV quieter than it needs to be for fear of upsetting the neighbours, right? Uh, I cannot remember the last time that I shouted so loud that my voice hurt. And there's, there's, a, there's a sort, there's a kind of desire to do that. 
to to expel. Yeah, rage. I, there's, there's something really <laughs> cathartic about shouting, isn't exactly. it? I, I probably probably when I was playing football and right. as a goalkeeper would have sure. to shout. Yeah, would have been the last time that I actively raised my voice like yeah. that. There you um, go. A loud bar occasionally when you get home and your throat's a bit scratchy because you've had to sh- you haven't realised but you've been shouting all night. Yeah, or singing at a gig sometimes. Sure, but- sure, sure. I don't think Seb's ever shouted I'm not, loudly. I'm not a big raiser of my voice. No, no. Oh, I reckon there's some rage in there deep Probably, down. But it will sort of come out about ten years time. Because also you're not allowed to shout in the press box. You know, there's a you know, there's, it's it's not That's, good etiquette. Well, no, I mean, I, I don't. I was trying to think of life rather than kind of around football. No, I'm work. just yeah, oh. you know, just oh, yeah, generally. Yeah, Foot, what, the reason yeah. I, I tie it back in football is a good environment in which it's fine for a human, a modern civilized human to go to a place with lots of other people and shout as loudly as you can. There aren't many environments where you can do that. A gig, maybe, if it's a particularly loud band, although, you know, I get very annoyed <laughs> going to gigs when someone else is singing and I can't hear the actual singer. Uh, but at a football game, the expectation is, like, the atmosphere and the noise and the crowd, the, the jubilance is encouraged. Where else does that happen? That's true. That's true. Yeah, most other places, it's it's definitely not encouraged. No, found that out. Yeah, it uh, might be sort of accepted some in some places, but yeah. uh, you know, you know, it's quite interesting when you when you sort of I was watching um, I was watching TV over the weekend. Mm, very kind of interesting. Fun little anecdote. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. And strap in. There's a little bit of a no. I, actually, I was watching Top Boy. And there's a scene in that. I won't. There, there are no. Which um, one is the top boy? Is there one? No, no, the series top boy. Yeah, no, no, I know. I'm just asking. Is there? Is there? Is one of there them are multiple the, top boys? There's multiple top yeah, boys. Yeah, that yeah. seems like uh, a dichotomy, doesn't uh, it? No, no, because it's a, it's an evolving series. And ah, so I see. Top boys is the permanent state. Is there only Different one character at any feel time that at one time? Right. Exactly that, yes. Okay. Anyway, there's a scene between two characters where, um, uh, no spoilers, where uh, one of the characters is arguing her case in a kind of life situation. And she's speaking an entirely normal volume. And the person, the authority figure she's dealing with says, don't raise your voice. Mm. That's very annoying. That is annoying. This is the reason I brought this up because that's what I've been thinking about while you two were doing this. No, that's annoying. It is. When someone says, don't raise your voice, I'll raise my voice. I'm going to do that to you. Don't be hostile. Coco at the weekend. What's that? It's a Pixar film. Oh, is it the new Pixar film? No, that's Encanto. Coco's a bit older, but it's it's about music and it's set in Mexico. It's very beautiful. Yeah, it looks. I've seen uh, clips from that. Yeah, if I want to feel emotion, I just watch a Pixar film. Sure. Okay. Well, there we go. The emotional range of a child. Um, Let's go for a break. Did we have a second break? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ah, we're back from the break now. 
Um, we've kind of done Arsenal already. You mentioned Saka. I don't think there's a huge else amount to say unless anyone ben wants Leno to. Played very well. Ben Leno. Yeah, he did, did well. Yeah, yeah great. Safe ben right White at the too. end. Sorry, Benjamin White. He wants to be called Benjamin. Uh, who ben. wrote the Erdegaard effect? Uh, that was me. Uh, what, what, what does that mean there? Um, so the, the shot map for that game was really interesting. Arsenal were able to generate basically all of their chances pretty much in the width of the six-yard area. And around the D. Around the D. So that's the, the zone 14. Right. And I think this is... Odegaard has this tendency to drift out into the right half space and then play passes back in. Also, Saka drifts across. Smith mm. Rowe cuts in field. And Arsenal are uh, creating uh, the ability with Lacazette pushing up and occupying defenders to generate lots of really good opportunities from just in front of the goal. Yeah. It's 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 just good. Co you can start to see the coaching now. I think like Arsenal's patterns are becoming more repetitive in a good way they're mm. better rehearsed and Odegaard particularly is pulling the strings beautifully in that system I just think they're they're looking good now very exciting okay uh, well I think JJ is working on an Arsenal related video for T4IRL with a couple of um, uh, of guests so keep an eye out on the channel for that that'll be fun uh, Monaco 3 nil PSG uh, this is this is a quite an interesting result, isn't it, Seb? Now, can I say, is this unconnected, would you say, to their um, exiting of the Champions League? Absolutely not. This right. was a, a down-tools moment. Monaco could have been four or five up by yeah. the end of the first half. Uh, the, by the end of the first half? Yeah, they were... It was... It was actually quite dispiriting to watch because wow. so clearly the kind of the discipline had, had um, been vented out of the, the PSG squad a couple of days ago. Um, there was nothing about this performance that I recognised in Rossi Pochino football. Um, it was it was embarrassing, actually. Monaco, good team. Monaco got a couple of really good young players um, who, you know, and, and I'm not trying to um, take any credit away from them, but this was 3-0 uh, describes a game that was comfortable and easy, doesn't describe just how dominant Monaco were right. at different times. Um, also, I think you're seeing a lot of mental mistakes. Kimpembe has had a terrible couple of weeks. Um, his, if you haven't seen it, go and see the the penalty that he gives away in the second half, and um, uh, decide for yourself whether he meant to do that and he was trying to get himself sent off. It was extraordinary, extraordinary. Okay. It was, well, um, I mean, I guess uh, I don't know uh, to the, the extent to which the severity of which, but maybe these sorts of things are not unexpected uh, when PSG go out of the Champions League, right? I mean, there's not a huge what amount are to play for. for? What are you playing for? Also, I don't think this is about we're out of the Champions yeah. League, so our season's over. I think this is about um, the fabric of PSG as an, an identity issue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like where where is the accountability? So, if you're a PSG player, what are you loyal to? Yeah. Because um, it's a club that is so wealthy that it kind of exists above its fan base and yeah. kind of the clouds above the, the populace. Um, well, also they're in a scenario where um, regardless of how much money is being offered, it appears that Mbappe is still going to leave anyway, i.e. being the richest football player in the world is not enough to keep him at the club if that's what ends up no. happening. What does that say to other players, other fans? Like, it's an interesting time to be to be there. Well, also I was looking at some of the, I was taking the train up um, to London this morning and and that's a quite a quite a difficult spot because I think the instinct here is to see what's happened over the last few weeks and think, right, let's just, you know, take this apart and start again. Mm. Well, you're not going to get the chance to do that really because Messi is still there. Neymar's not going anywhere. Um, 
you know, you, you become a prisoner of your own generosity. Wijnaldum is still a good player, but I doubt he's going to earn as much uh, as he is um, there anywhere else. Yeah. Julian Draxler, players like this, that you cannot... They're like big Man United. Well, there's no major surgery that you can do because your, your resources are too tied up in players who I think are, are probably there as a result of a kind of a erroneous um, recruiting strategy. I think it's a... Mm. It's, PSG are a hugely frustrating thing big for me time. because... Um, for a start, the club existed before they were taken over um, and have some of the greatest shirts ever seen in Liga back sure. in the day, as it happens, designed by a fashion designer who was on their board of directors for a while. Right. Weird fact. Yeah. Um, but they have this incredible catchment area. They have an incredible youth system. Mm. And exactly the kind of thing that you're seeing uh, at Barcelona, where La Masia is starting to bring out these players again, like Pedri, like Gavi and so on. If Paris Saint-Germain wanted to commit to that way of doing things, they could not only dominate French football, but they could have a an exciting core of homegrown talents from the Parisian region who are easily good enough to take them into the quarters and the semis of Europe with yeah. a sprinkling of other quality players, like a Barcelona would do. Yeah. You could can I, can I can before you before you interrupt? Happen. Can I? I found a mistake Alex made, and I want to say it because it doesn't happen very often. Is it Pedri? Yeah, Pedri wasn't from La Masia. Alex Stewart. Who oh no, you're he right. Was. He was from. Oh God. He doesn't know. No, he does. He doesn't oh. know, listeners. We've caught him. Was it? No, was Don't it like tell him, Seb? Tenerife. No. Hold honestly. Okay. This right. this podcast continues like this until you can say where he came from. Is it Tenerife? No. Las Palmas? Okay. That, well, that wasn't very long. Yeah, fine. Okay. Uh, anyway, carry on. Just uh, wanted to take <coughs> yeah. my opportunity. But it, it, like, okay, so the bench for this game, you have uh, uh, Bitshuiba, who's come through the youth system, Xavi Simmons, who's been brought into it. Mm. Um, you've got uh, Ebembe. I Like, there are ones that they're not ready for the first team yet but also if you look at players like Nkuku for example mm -hmm. who've come through that system and then been let go because there's you know there's a Icardi or a Draxler or whomsoever ahead of them mm -hmm. and now look he's you know being talked about as one of the most exciting attacking talents I wonder whether I, I, I agree I, with Nkunku I think there's always a there's always a problem there because I think Nkunku needed to leave Paris I think he um by all accounts, one of the things that Yusuf Paulson said when I asked about Nkunku, and we did in a few weeks ago, is that when he was at Leipzig, when he started Leipzig and up until last season, he was someone that was so talented that um, every time he beat another man, beat a defender, he'd try and find another one to beat. He was kind of, um, he was a slave to his own ability, really. Uh, and now he's been away from home, he's grown up a little bit, um, he's learned about being a team player. And not all of those things happen just because he's moved to Leipzig or Germany or to a foreign country, but I think it helps. I think if you're an academy product somewhere, you can exist within a bit of a comfort zone. I don't think some players, um, particularly talented ones, um, they're not challenged enough in those environments. They become kind of popular causes for fans. It's like the um, Ricky Puig at Barcelona. Quite a good player, quite a good player. But one of his big problems is that um, no matter what he does, there will always be a kind of a, a band of a type, particular type of Barcelona fan who thinks, no, he should be captain because he looks as uh, like the player that you, he is the image of Barcelona to yeah. a lot of fans. 
It's like we had this at Tottenham. For a while, there were people that genuinely thought that Tom Carroll was the future of the club. Sure. It's the same thing. It's like it's, it's, it's um, when you take the person out of the context, sometimes you see what they are, and for better or worse. Mm-hmm. And, and Kunku's a good but example then, of that. But then if you have at Manchester United with the class of 92, yeah. mm. they obviously somehow got that balance correct. Mm. That the, the image of the club was hardworking, focused, almost making more of yourself than your talent. And yet by doing that and also having talent, they had this era of football where, you know, there was a core of homegrown players who were really, really good. I think Mm -hmm. if PSG wanted to try to commit to that kind of thing, they could do that. They could, Mm -hmm. it'll never happen. And that's why it's so frustrating. So instead you then have these talents. Let me, let me throw something back at you though, because this is, I I agree with you. It's interesting, right? Mm. However, um, one would one would say regularly about the uh, Chelsea. But Chelsea is a good example of this, right? Uh, they're a team that change their manager all the time, that buy and sell players all the time, that mm-hmm. don't really have a solid state of existence, right? Extremely successful with that model. And I think like, I think the easy thing for for us and supporters to do is look at them and say, well, how do we compare them to Barcelona under Pep Guardiola, Manchester United under Alex Ferguson? Those big eras where players were brought through. There's something very satisfying about that and there's something organic about it and that's why people like it. It's the kind of perfect story. But Chelsea have been essentially, uh, at, you know, not quite to the same degree, but essentially as successful as both of those teams have by following in a completely different model, which is sort of what PSG do, right? Like they I, buy players, they get new managers. You disagree. I disagree because why, why, why? I would say that, yes, there are similarities in the recruiting, but I'd say that Chelsea have actually, Chelsea spent a lot of money, but they've also um, built a lot of stars with that money. Eden Hazard, a uh, very, very good player when he left Lille, but... Um, and, uh, well, let's not forget, like, Ed Nazar, wherever Ed Nazar went, he was going to no, be the for next sure, star. But then, okay, you, okay, well, let's use another. Didier Drogba. Mm-hmm. Drogba at Marseille, very good player. Sure. Drogba at Chelsea, European Cup winning player. Fine, fine, fine. Um, Ricardo Carvalho won the European Cup at Porto. But, like, these players are allowed to exist at a level that, um, with PSG, I often get the sense that they're already shopping off the top shelf. They're already yeah. buying things ready-made items that yeah. I don't need any further development. They're just, here's my shiny footballer, into my team he goes. Like mm-hmm. it's um like it's a real-life version of, um, uh, oh, God, the, the FIFA thing. Oh, sure. JJ. Ultimate team. Ultimate team. Yeah, sure. Thank you. <laughs> but he, JJ even, would know. Even in the Galactico era yeah. with Real Madrid, where you had a Zidane or a Figo or, you know, Kaká, there was Don't always, forget to speak into your microphone. Sure, thanks. Yeah. Um, there, there were always players that had either come through the youth system or had been acquired from other Spanish teams for not very much money. Mm. So that defense of people like Ivan Helguera and Michel Salgado and Ivan Hierro, mm-hmm. Casillas famously. Like, sorry, who did I say? Ivan. No, I said what? Ivan Helguera. He's yeah, and you also got Ivan Hierro. Well, I don't think you I did. Could, you should have done that one. Too. I wasn't listening. That's 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 the price Point you pay, being, though. You tune out and you miss opportunities. That's you've the got, price you pay. You've got, it's, a, it's a heavy toll. It is. Um, you, you know, you've got people who understand the values of the club, and even if even exactly. if your club is Real Madrid, super wealthy, super mm. successful, Bob. You know, there are still values there. There yeah. is still, you know, there is still something about wearing the shirt uh, yes. that is not just earning a shit ton of money. Yeah. And Paris Saint Germain should have that still. Yeah. But 
I don't know, maybe of that team that started, I think maybe Kimpembe came through the youth system. Mm. Kimpembe's a very, very good player. Like, like yeah. But that's it. Can Otherwise, I say, um, you know, and, and you want you want to have people, we, and we talked about this and when JJ did that video about why they haven't won the Champions League yet. Yeah. You know, you need to have a set of values. Yeah that are internal to the club. I, mm -hmm. you know, yes, obviously you want your supporters to buy into some sense of identity as well. But if you're, you know, if your young stars in your youth system are running around thinking they're the dog's bollocks, you like that requires stronger leadership. That yeah. requires people to say, no, you haven't earned your place yet. But okay. if you do, this is what awaits you. We've got, like, we've got to wrap this up because well, there's two other things to get to. So unless, uh, okay, put it this way, Seb. If what you say isn't extremely interesting and one of the best things you say all day, you will be in trouble. If your brand supersedes your football. This is not a good start. It's a problem. It always <laughs> is a problem. It, 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 but it, it, you look Listeners at Listeners at home won't know this, but Seb's always talking about brand. He's obsessed with his own personal brand, how he comes across to people. Sometimes I call you on a weekend to talk about it. Yeah, like, to talk about, you think the, about it. Was my brand the Stafford Law brand? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let me tell you about something much more interesting than that. It's a game I used to play with my friends called Sausage. Right? <laughs> I've just I've just been reminded of it. We played it for years, but I haven't played it for a long time. And this is because me and a group of people that I used to spend time with, all very keen to correct each other. You know, used to spend time with. Used to spend time with, yeah. <laughs> All very keen to correct each other, you know, as we've just done with Alex. The instinct is there, right? Uh, particularly in a group of people who all say things, uh, people think they're smart. You can catch them out and bring them, bring them back down, smash them down to the the base level, right? That's the game. Anyway, sausage was this game to try to stop people doing that. So you uh, once a day were allowed to insert uh, a deliberate error. Mm -hmm into what you were saying. And if someone picked you up on it, you would point to them and shout sausage. And they lost because uh, they they had, you, so it basically, it make, if you hear someone making a mistake, you have to question your mind, are they trying to catch me out? Are they trying like to it. sausage me? I like it. I like or, it. or have they unintentionally, it, it adds a sort of, uh, an element of risk to the game of correcting someone. Where, where did you derive the name from for this game? I can't remember. Game? I think we invented the game. I'm sure other people have played this. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, why? I, well, the thing is that we shouldn't because uh, in this environment, we do need to question great. each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes people make mistakes. I don't know. Like, so I don't want to be in a situation where I keep getting sausaged because my job is an editor. Or some, someone who's made a deliberate mistake which harms the company. Exactly. they've won really yeah. because sausage. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, okay. Alex says he's uh, he thinks it's in his contract he's allowed to burn the building down. And I don't say anything <laughs> because I'm worried about being sausaged <laughs> and then I die in a fire. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to play this game, but a good fun game. Maybe for the listeners to play at home. Now listen, things we have to uh, get through very quickly because Seb annoyingly has organised a meeting uh, sooner than he could be able to reach if we carried on for the it organic it wasn't, well, uh, it was quarter past well, one. Quarter past one, too late, too late. You know, uh, Derby won, won Coventry. Uh, less about the game, of course, which was interesting enough, uh, more about the Derby situation because we haven't talked about Derby at all this yeah. season. Um, I, I checked in on old Wayne and the boys, uh, to, you know, because they've done... Uh, very good job this season. Yes, indeed. Unlikely to stay up mm -hmm. um, as a result of the points deduction they incurred at the beginning of the season. Just tell us, Seb, for those listening and me <laughs> that yeah. don't know what happened, uh, why, why, why do they have that points deduction? 21 uh, points? Yeah, it's split into two halves, really. So um, uh, they got a 12-point deduction for heading into administration, which is a kind of football league standard. Sure. And they got an additional nine um, with three points suspended because of an anomaly with their stadium sale. So uh, Pride Park was sold... Um, to Mel Morris, 
um, owner. Uh, and it was sold between the two companies that he owned. And mm. the Football League said no. Well, that is interesting, isn't it? Because without yeah. that, they wouldn't be in the relegation zone exactly right now. Exactly that. Even if, I mean, they've done ex- exceptionally well. They're not bottom of the league, despite having a 21-point uh, deduction at the beginning. Yeah, they're also playing really good football. They're playing really good football, They're yeah. good to watch. They, they, play, they played relatively well against Coventry. I, I got them to finish 12th on Football Manager. Did you? With a 21-point, yeah. Would well, have, what a shame it's not real life. They eh? finished 5th without yeah. the deduction. There we go. Yeah. Sure. Just wanted to say that. Real people's lives, Alex. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about Derby as the season goes on. I just wanted to flag it up as, a, as an area of interest. And also maybe we can uh, maybe we can all watch a bit of Derby and then chat about Rooney before the season ends. Yes, indeed. Could be yes, fun. Indeed. There we go. The Champions League draw happened. Very exciting. The quarterfinals uh, beginning on the 5th of April uh, have thrown up a few interesting ties. Benfica, Liverpool, uh, Man City, Atletico Madrid... We have Villarreal, who I only realised yesterday <laughs> got past Juventus. I didn't know that. Battered Juventus. Battered Juventus. One, there three, we go. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Good job to them. Um, and uh, probably going to lose to Bayern. And uh, Chelsea, Real Madrid, which I'm sure looks like the uh, the big tie of the affair. Um, I still think Chelsea are going to win. Yeah. I, I honestly think like uh, that they've been, you know, as a result of all of the ongoing current factors... The squad and Tuchel have probably been forced into this little nucleus of unity. Do you mean win this tie, or do you mean win the? I think they're going to win overall. the Champions League. Yeah, overall. Mm, I don't I, see why not. Uh, yeah. Tournament football needs that extra little bit of magic, right? That extra little drive. And at the moment, those players are very together as a result of a negative set of circumstances. Mm. Uh, in a way that you know the other teams just aren't. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the only edge I give them. I Plus thought they, they were champions win last year. The Premier League this season, though. Sure. So, sure. I'm not going to back them for anything now. Who do you back, Bayern? Uh, I think Bayern probably have the most quality overall. They never win it though, do they? They're not playing that well at the moment. No. no. Um, I like Man City this year. Yeah. I mean, Man City. Pretty safe old bet, isn't it? Man City also just have such a plethora of options as well. Yeah, when things are, you know, if if things aren't going that great, and you can bring on Foden and Mares, they also never win it though. But they've got the anti thing that so every every successful tournament needs that magical intangible. Manchester City have the reverse. They always have the thing that derails it, whether it's an overthink or an injury or a silly goal or. You know, when they got knocked out by they got knocked out by Leon a couple of years ago, didn't they? Mm. I I could I could see Liverpool doing it again. Yeah. I think their front three is as good as any you'll find in Europe. Sure. And they also have options there. And I think Klopp does have something of that intangible. Yeah. Um, particularly if City start to lengthen the gap at the top of the Premier League, that becomes the thing for them. So Sure. But yeah, it's difficult. I really think it's Chelsea. Okay. Cool. Fine. So you think Liverpool, you think Man City, and I think Chelsea. Mm. Bunch of Anglophones, aren't we? That's a... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Insular. Has anyone got a shout for Villarreal? Tournament football. Huh? I just think Bayern are too good. Sure. What's the guy's name? Unai Emery. Unai Emery. No, Tough out- break for Andrea Agnelli, though. Yeah. Out of the Champions League again. It's quite funny, isn't it? Oh, 16. Yeah. Tough. Tough. Deary me. Fine. Better get that Super League going quickly. Yes, absolutely. Uh, cool. Right. Anything we've missed? 
No, I think this has been very fulsome. Sure, 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 sure. Fine. Right, in which case, uh, we say thanks to Seb Staffer Blore, uh, Dan Kashun. Thank you, Joe. That's Sorry. a big, large, so wide mouth. Oh, that, yeah. And uh, thanks, Alex Stewart. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks to producers Sol and Adonis. And uh, we'll be back next week with more. Uh, actually, we none of us will. <laughs> because uh, uh, I'm watching the Oscars the night before, so I'll be asleep. Um, Seb is away, and Alex is on holiday. So you'll have JJ and... It's just going to be a monologue. It's a JJ, mystery guest. A JJ audio monologue. His guitar. Yeah. And the cameras are just going to roll and we're going to see what happens. I hope that's not what happens. I'm hoping I instead that what happens is that he'll be joined by, you know, a couple of people from The Athletic. Yeah. And let me remind you, what a quality group of people that is, huh? Would it annoy you if you got Horncastle? No, I, I mean, I'd yeah, you love to see it even through the screen. That'd be fine. But and I'll be in later in the day. Maybe I can... Like, he came on the podcast on the one week that you're not there, though. Well, no, no, but if I come in later in the day, I'll be able to see the chair that he was sat in and maybe sit that's in it point. myself. Yeah, yeah. You know. Fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll find one of his hairs. <laughs> I don't know. Who could say? What a great guy. Anyway, that's all. Uh, see you next week. Ta-ra, bye. Athletic.